Well, Xavier Whitford, welcome back to the journey. And uh, I was thinking about this today is that I, you may now be uh, the individual who's been on the show the most. Um, <laughs> so I think it, I, I know for sure. I think this is your fourth time being on the show. So, uh, I, and so I think uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure fourth, there might've been another yeah. one that snuck in there that I don't, I don't remember, but. Sounds uh, about right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know we've known each other obviously for a long time. And, uh, and then Corey and I go back, your husband, Corey, and I go back even, even farther when he was um, under three foot tall, um, <laughs> when he was, when he was a little guy and I was uh, uh good friends or best friends with Ty, his older brother. So, um, well, why don't we do this? Um, this is obviously Suicide Awareness Month, and, and we're going to be venturing into Mental Health Awareness Month. And, and you have been doing so much um, in, in the community regarding uh, suicide awareness, um, mental health first aid classes, uh, being part of NAMI, and, and then even uh, helping with a merger with Group Hope and NAMI. So, I mean, you, you've done a, a ton of things, but for any of our listeners who may not know your story maybe just kind of give us a kind of a background of who you are and then how, how did you get um, how did you get thrust into this world yeah okay well I mean it's it basically getting thrust into this world started a little over seven years ago when my 19 year old son Tommy um, died by suicide and um, unfortunately I was the one that found him the day that he took his life and um you know, it just was very eye-opening to me. We never, um, we knew my son had depression and had struggled with depression, anxiety for a long time because he lost his dad at the age of three. And, you know, we were very involved, very supportive, very loving, very much there, um, but never. And although there were signs and symptoms, obviously, like never were educated to the point that ever saw suicide would ever be an option until the day that it, it, was, it happened. And so, you know, that day, you know, I talk a lot about that day and just the pain of that day, um, you know, that carries with me still to this day, but just knowing um, that my faith was a huge foundation for me and that I knew that I had to, you know, trust that there was something good that was going to come out of this terrible situation. And I went on a journey to find purpose in the pain is what I call it. And um, started to just, you know, open myself up to whatever opportunities and whatever things came my way. I really didn't have any idea what I was going to do or what, where this was going to lead me, but just knew that I couldn't be silent and I couldn't sit still and I had to do something to honor Tommy and honor the others that had lost their battle to um, suicide and do something to improve our community and help our community, help educate our community, help um, support our community and um, do something to, to make a difference, to make change, you know? Um, so I started to just be open to opportunities that would come. And you know, I think one of the first opportunities was after reaching out to you, um, was speaking with you to a group at one of the local high schools and um, it just made me realize that, you know, it was something that I could do, even though I never thought of myself as being a speaker or being someone in the spotlight, but um, I could do it and, um, and 
then the next thing I did was connect with um, Group Hope about doing uh, mental health support groups. And um, Dr. Smith, who started Group Hope, you know, he had lots of groups going on, but there was nothing for teens um, or young adults. And so I approached him to find out more about what he was doing and to see what I could do to start some teen groups locally. Um, and yeah, we've had teen groups going now for, you know, six years and still going strong. And um, it makes a difference to have a place where kids can go and talk about what they're going through and what they're feeling and um, connect with other people that are like-minded and can be there to support them and hear them out in a safe environment. So, Well, and I think, and, and yeah, I, I definitely remember uh, that uh, no, November, uh, of, uh, for, for November of 2014, when, when we, I had you come out to uh, a natural helper's meeting and, um, and, and met with that, uh, that particular students that were involved with that natural helpers at that local high school. And, and, and that kind of, that was another, you know, introduction into, the, you know, being able to share your story and share Tommy's story to potentially plant seeds of hope um, that it's okay to talk about um, difficult things. And, um, and I think in the midst of it, as I, as I think back on those seven years in, and like many individuals, not, not only your, your pain and grief and, 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 and all the things that came along, you know, with the loss of Tommy and, and your experience of finding him and, and all the things with that, um, but you're also working full time and you're also mm -hmm. a grandma and you're also a, a wife and, and a mom. And, and so, and then this passion to want to use Tommy's life to help others has, has been, I know, uh, a lot on your plate. There's been a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it started with sharing Tommy's story to bring light to that. This can really happen to anyone anywhere. You know, um, Tommy was a beautiful boy. He was, you know, athletic. He was always smiling. He was the funny guy. He was loved and supported by so many people. Um, and, and yet here it happened to him. And I think that a lot of times what I was finding out in my own thought process and other people's thought process is like this, this doesn't happen to people like him, but it does. And so I wanted to share his story, but his story has um, throughout the years also involved in evolved into my story, right? Because from that experience, I've, I've experienced my own PTSD and depression and anxiety and things that I've had to work through and I've had to um, learn through. And it's helped me better have more compassion and empathy for those that I work with, you know, you know, in the community that the teens and young adults that I'm, you know, um, in the support groups with, I learned so much from hearing their stories and listening to them, but also knowing myself that, you know, like with my PTSD, I've always been able to control and I've always been very resilient, but when I couldn't control what was happening to my mind and my body, um, it really was an eye-opener to me of what it feels like for people at that time when that mental illness really takes control um, and how we need to really know the signs and be able to take steps so that it doesn't get to that point if possible. Um, and if it does get to that point, what to do to keep ourselves safe, right? So, you know, that it, it's, it's, evolved into my story now too. So, you know, and together I'm honoring him by sharing his story, but also his story has helped me and my story and my journey as well to get to where I am today. And 
um, you know, we just keep, keep going and, you know, new things come up and, you know, we, we've, uh, um, over the last, I think it was about four years ago, we, we realized that there was a, a need in the community that there's a lot of people that needed counseling, but couldn't afford to pay for counseling. And so one of the things we did, which we were one of the first and only people that, um, you know, nonprofits locally anyway, that set up a fund to help pay for counseling. Um, and we, we saw that that was a need and we wanted to just fill a gap. We are very much collaborative, but we don't want to do what everybody else is doing. We want to, you know, fill gaps and fill in where we can and work together. And that was a gap that we saw that we could fill and the same thing happened with mental health first aid, there was a couple trainers locally, but the need was greater than the amount of trainers and instructors that were available. So um, I went and got became a instructor for mental health first aid, and we teach classes for free in the community and to organizations and help people just be armed to know how to help and how to respond to people who might be in a mental health crisis. So, um, you know, doing that and working just, you know, education training workshops and what we can do, I, I'm big into advocacy at both the state and local level. Talking to legislators is something that I do. Politics is my, you know, part of my um, job and has been for a long time. So it, to me, it's just talking to people about what the need is and what we need to do. And um, so that's something I've always been involved in and open with as well. But um, yeah, and most recently, what I'm really proud of and what we're getting to now is. I was asked this question a lot of times, like, how are you so resilient? Because when you hear my story, I mean, my story starts before Tommy, right? Like, um, I mean, my my story is is really sad with a lot of really bad things. You know, I I was I have you know sexual and physical abuse as a child. I was raised by an alcoholic mother. I you know um, lost my first husband to a drinking and driving accident. Was a single mom, and you know like there's just struggle after struggle after struggle. But yet here I am, and I'm still fighting, and I'm still. And so people would say like, how are you so resilient? And it really got me thinking about resiliency and like what things what things I lean on to keep moving forward and keep getting me to push through all of these things that have happened and still be successful and still be, um, you know, have a good life and be happy and find joy and, and all of that through all of this pain. And so I started to develop um, what those key things are for me for resiliency and created a workshop based on it. So this October, we're hosting our first workshop and I'm super excited. Um, doing retreats has been a dream of mine for a long time, and I've been very scared to do it. Um, and I've, you know, hesitated doing it, and I just felt like it was finally time. And so that's that's our newest thing is we'll be doing um, different retreats focused on different uh, groups of people, different needs, and really just it's called R and R retreat, restoring resiliency retreat. It's all about restoring ourselves and and building our resiliency. Um, you know, bucket. Um, so when we go home, we have things that we can fall back on to help us continue to move forward. So yeah, maybe, maybe kind of, uh, maybe talk a little bit about in, in not, well, I guess the last seven years, but maybe there was different things even prior to that, that you had, had, had done, but specifically in the last seven years, um, I know that you had experienced as a participant going to retreats. Uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. And and how if you if you think back to those initial experiences and they and obviously they're going to be different than um, you know people may have experienced a you know as a kid going to a you know going to a camp or they may have experienced with with a with a church experience as an adult going to a family retreat or something like that. But when you describe to me when you've gone on these retreats, there it's been a little bit different. So what what mm-hmm. was like if you could kind of what did it how did it help you describe what like what those retreats were that you've attended and then what are you going to be doing in October? Well, one of the ones that sticks with me the most as I went, um, so I was looking for a grief retreat and I realized that there's really not much available in the United States, let alone our area. And so I ended up traveling to Canada to go to a grief retreat. Um, and it, you know, there, it was just the connection with other people that could relate on that same level, um, of understanding there were, there were moms that had lost, you know, children, but there were also, you know, there were dads there, there were, you know, uh, siblings and different things. But what I found is when I went, I was so open-minded, I was so open-minded and so willing to learn, even if it was something that I didn't know anything about, or I wasn't sure about, you know, like I was open and willing to learn. And for me, the most important thing about a retreat is we're busy. Like you mentioned, I'm busy. I got lots going on all the time. So it's really hard for me to find even an hour to just focus on myself and become aware of where I'm at and where I want to be and make a plan to get there. Right. Um, so retreats are a place where you, for me, where I could go and I could focus on me and I could just really dive in. I could really, you know, go deep to what I'm feeling and, um, experience new things. Um, you know, like the first time I ever learned what Reiki really is, was at a retreat and they had a Reiki specialist there. And I was like, you know what, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is about, but I'll try it. Why not? You know? And, um, you know, it's different for everybody, but it was a real eye-opening experience for me. And it just helped me look at a different, um, way of looking at just our energy in general, you know, like we are all full of energy and you have to believe that when you leave this world, you leave energy behind as well. And I'm very, very faith-based and I, you know, believe in the spiritual aspect of the world as well, but there's, you know, it just had me open my mind to something different. And so um, when I left there, you know, I was, again, I felt like what I was doing is I was restoring things in myself and my heart and in my body that needed to be restored. But I was also building my, um, you know, my bucket of resiliency by learning new things or learning new perspectives or being able to just take time to, to listen, to focus on, you know, what my heart was telling me, what my head was telling me, what my body was telling me. Um, and it made a world of difference for me. And so, you know, that's kind of what I talk about for me, what's helped me with resiliency is just being, becoming self-aware, you know, taking time to be mindful of where I'm at, what I'm feeling in each moment and finding techniques to help through that time, whether that's, you know, breathing or stretching or yoga or whatever it is. Um, and then the other two things that are critical for me is just having, um, a community of support, having positive, you know, people around you that you can 
turn to, that you can lean on, that you can talk to. Um, and then the last thing is that finding purpose in the pain. Like, you know, it's funny because at church yesterday, our pastor was giving a message and he said something that I'm going to share, like I'm going to share now going forward, because it's exactly what I mean by, you know, purpose into pain. Like I would always say, like in the beginning, when I lost Tommy, I would always, I'd get stuck on the why, 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 why. And I realized really early on, like, I can't, I'll never have the answers, right? I'll never have the answers or the why to all the why questions that I have. Um, so, and it's not going to change the fact that he's gone. So I have to move forward. Um, and so I would just move forward. Right. But our pastor actually said in a message yesterday, he's like, the quicker you can turn the what into, or the why into a what, the better off you're going to be. Right. So, and it, and it was like, that's it. That's what I've been saying and doing is I take the why and turn it into a what. So instead of why did Tommy die, what am I going to do about that with this? What am I going to do as a result of this, right? Where is this going to take me? What's next, right? Don't focus on this. What's next? And that's kind of always been my mentality is, okay, this sucks. <laughs> like, this is painful. This is horrible. But what's next? Like, you know, what is God going to use this for next, you know? And what can I focus on next instead of getting stuck in the why you know you you bring up a, a, a phenomenal point regarding that and obviously that's a big part of uh what this this show is about is is about transformation it's it's about what what people do inevitably we all in the in the circle of our own life and our own journey we are going to be in on different levels right of of then that dark night of their soul and mm -hmm. it's in those dark night of our soul it's 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 in that disorder is is where we then have the opportunity of what are we going to do about it and regardless if it's uh in the judeo-christian traditions uh or or the stoic traditions or in uh the native american traditions about this idea of keep going or or mm. the resiliency that comes through the perseverance you know ryan howley talks about uh in his book the obstacles the way is we can spend a lot of time asking why is this obstacle in my journey and, and, or what that, that book a few years ago is we can spend a lot of time about who moved my cheese, but what are we going to, what are we going to do now that our cheese is gone or this obstacle is here? And I think it's the opportunity for us to learn something about ourselves that we wouldn't have learned if this wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, and I think that's really, uh, a lot of what, what even, even just like yesterday, right. You're, you're, you're sitting in, 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 in church and all of a sudden like two things just connected and going, mm -hmm. okay, that's the articulation that I've been looking for, even though you've been living it, even though you've been teaching it. Um, then there was, you know, something, you know, something that the pastor said that all of a sudden goes, okay, now I can crystallize it even more. Yeah. And really, I mean, it came from, the idea that like, I kept, you know, like saying, um, after losing Tommy, like, well, I'm surviving, I'm surviving. Right. And we often knew that like, we're surviving life because it's rough and it's hard and surviving the death of a child is horrid. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to do more than just survive. I wanted to thrive again. And I wanted to be able to trust that, you know, that, 
although I have to live this life without him, that there's a reason for it. And there's a greater purpose for that. And I truly do believe that. And I see it in what happens and the strength that I have. There's no way I would be able to do what I'm doing without the strength that comes from within, from the, you know, like, this is not me. You know, I, I don't give myself credit for any of this because I wouldn't be able to accomplish any of this without my, my faith and, and, you know, the Holy Spirit in me that gives me that strength to keep moving forward. So I'm thankful for that because for me, that's, that's, you know, helped me get to, you know, seven years. It's crazy. Like I honestly <laughs> never imagined being to this point because it's unimaginable to think about it, but here I am. I'm still, you know, still fighting, still keeping going forward. And I remember in the first year or two people telling me, you need to slow down because you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to wear yourself out. There's no way you can keep doing this. There's no way you're going to continue this, this path, you know, and here I am seven years later, still as passionate, still as strong, still as determined as ever. <laughs> well, and I, and I think, you know, and it's part of the reason, you know, for, for so many different reasons why I continue to want to have you come on and share where you're at, because even in the, just the a little bit less than three years of me doing this, this particular show, how much your life has changed and, and continue to grow and develop. And I think, you know, when we have a major loss or setback in our life, regardless if it's pandemic related or, or, or a loss of a family member, for whatever reasons, tragic or, you know, you know tragic and traumatic loss like Tommy's death um, or a homicide or a, a vehicle accident or, or some type of accident, to, to transition from that being my story to being that's part of my story and 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 that it, by being part of your story it 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 means it's still going it means you're still developing it and still and and at the end of the day it is ours but it's also for us to give back and for other you know and and what you've been able you know i mean even though prior to tommy's death uh, locally, besides some of my clients um, and clients' families, I had, you know, when, when Anna died a couple of years before Tommy died at Rockford Christian. And, and then, but there still wasn't, besides Ray of Hope, there wasn't a lot of parents or, or organizations or things that were going on to how do we fill in these gaps? How do we, how do we, talk about what people don't want to talk about um not just when it happens but ongoing on a regular basis and and you've been a huge a huge part of that and and from a parent standpoint you've kind of led uh model that right and so that other other moms in particular but moms and dads and family members can can go i i can if if xavier can do it i can do something i can do something similar i don't have to because everybody has their own deal and has their own thing, you know, and it's not that one's better than the other. It's, it's, we just gotta, we just gotta follow what our prompting, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I met with a mom who lost her son recently this last week and, or not, she lost him a few weeks ago, but I met with her last week and we're, you know, just trying to encourage her because I really believe that, you know, 
as early on as possible as that we can get people around us that are there to listen, to hold our hand, to hug us, to encourage us to find whatever that is for them, right? Everybody's different. Um, but, you know, just talking with her, there were a few things that came out of her story that I was like, you know, I want to connect you with a few people that I know that might be able to help you kind of go in that direction that you feel like you're led to go in to help and to honor your son and your story, right? Because it's important because I know for me that it helped me having people come beside me and say, you know, like you opening the door for speaking at the, the Boylan Natural Helpers, like I never envisioned myself sharing our story or speaking anywhere when I started this. I was open to whatever came in in my direction, but I had no idea what that was going to be or what I was going to do. And if you would have asked me if speaking was something I wanted to do, I'd have said, heck no, because it's not. Still to this day, it makes me so nervous and it's not something that I'm 100% comfortable with, but I do it because I, I know I can, right? Um, and I do it because uh, I know it's not about me. It's about helping other people. Yeah. And I remind myself that every single time. So really it's about just coming around and helping people as soon as possible find what that thing is that's going to make them move forward and you know that's what we try to do as just support to other parents in the community is you know find what that is for you and make them believe that they have the the purpose and the passion behind it to make it happen because you know everybody has a different um a different goal that they want to reach or a different, you know, way that they want to honor their child. And some of it is going to be like, you know, Phyllis and, you know, the Liam foundation and, you know, things like that, that she, she's, she's doing that because that honors her son. And also because she had that passion to do something to help somewhere that wasn't already being done. And so that that's, you know, if we all do our part, imagine what a different world it will be. If we all follow what that purpose and passion is that's on our heart, whether it's from loss or whether it's just in general, like imagine what a different world it would be. Yeah. Well, and you, and you mentioned Dr. Smith and starting group hope was in response to the gaps that yeah. he saw because of the, of the loss of his daughter dying Absolutely. suicide. And, and then, you know, what you've done and what, you know, and then, and what Phyllis is doing specifically for the LGBT uh, community. And, yes. and, and then, and it's, it's interesting that the, the different things, the different groups that have been, that have been involved, there's, there's similarities, right. but there's also unique differences um, yeah. based upon your own stories, right? Uh, yeah. Phyllis's story and, and, and Laura Kane's story and your story and Dr. Smith's yeah. story. And what, you, what you've done with Dr. Smith's as he's got, you know, he was retired when he started Group Hope, and and I think he w had a second retirement recently. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just, he just knew that he he just couldn't he he couldn't, you know, continue doing it the way he had been doing it. And under and and that's how something. It's so important for us to develop something, invite people in, so that it's bigger than just the personality that started it. Right. It's a legacy. You know what I mean? Like it is a legacy. And what uh, Dr. Smith does did was he came in and he created something that works, that's different, that was needed. And um, although, you know, he, he needed to step back and not have control over it anymore because he is retired and getting older and, you know, needing to pull away somewhat. He's still, still, still facilitating groups like a champ, but, you know, one of the things that was important to me was help his legacy continue on. You know, it's not about me. You know, I, I didn't create group hope. I just came in and 
um, helped continue group hope in a different way by starting the teen and young adult groups. But he created the model that, that everybody's working off of and it's his legacy for his daughter. And I wanted to be able to help just continue that on even though he has to back away from it um, because it, it's, it's special. It's something that's special in our community and it's special to the people that utilize the groups. And we don't wanna see that go away, you know? And that's, that's what legacy is about. And I hope that when I'm gone many years from now, hopefully, you know, that somebody takes my legacy and continues it on and Tommy's name as well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so Xavier, regarding, are, are there still, well, one, are there still availability uh, open, uh, seats or uh, can participants still sign up for the retreat? I guess I should have. Yeah, the, so the retreat registration ends um, on Thursday, uh, okay. the 30th of September, but there are still a few spots available for that. Um, we're almost full, but we're, we still have a couple spots available. Um, and that's October 22nd through the 24th. And, and um, so they can register on our website, the Tommy Crow Memorial Foundation.com. They'll find it under the retreats tab. Um, so yeah, there's still availability. Perfect. And then next week, um, you're starting a, a big initiative for this for the city. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that too? It's actually not for the city. It's for NAMI Northern oh, Illinois. I'm sorry. I'm yep. Sorry. So NAMI Northern Illinois, um, I sit on the board for them. And I also chair what's called Mental Illness Awareness Week, which is always the first full week in October. And that week is just really meant to focus on bringing awareness around the topic of mental illness and, um, you know, getting people to learn about it, whatever that's been, whatever that every year it's different. So this year we start on uh, Sunday with a free family day at YMCA all day. You can register to bring your family there because we feel that, you know, being a part of a community like a YMCA group and being active is good for your mental health. And so, you know, wanted to bring that to that. And then on um, Monday, October 4th, OSF is doing a nutrition class at their, um, kitchen there at OSF. And it's limited to a number of people that can be there in person, but they also have registration online. It'll be Zoomed live. Um, so that's something else that people can take a virtual option. And they're going to do a um, walk us through a recipe and talk about why nutrition is so important to our mental health and how it can help. And then um, Wednesday, or no, wait, Tuesday night, so I got to get the night, so it's Tuesday night, we have a program called Path to Recovery, it's all virtual, and we have a few different people sharing their stories of recovery and what's helped for them, um, and just sharing their perspective and different things that you can do to help in recovery, but also just in mental health in general, you know, like getting, being active or being involved in something that's art related, things like that. So I'm really excited. We have Erica, um, I don't know if I say her right, Erica from Erica's Board and Brush, who's going to be sharing her story and Brian Knight, who is one of our team facilitators and also works for Aqua Recovery, sharing his story. And then we have Natalie, who's a holistic chiropractor, who's going to be sharing a little bit about how, how um, chiropractic work can help even with our brain health and different things that are going on. So that's really exciting. Um, and then Wednesday night, we have a viewing at the Nordloff Center of a, um, a, it's called a silent voice. And it's actually a Japanese animated um, teen drama film, basically, that is based around teens struggling 
with bullying, depression, suicidal ideation and such. And we're going to have a viewing. People can come dressed up in cosplay if that's something they're into. Um, I, I don't do that. I won't be dressed up, but Marissa will, who Marissa <laughs> Ebert is a local council counselor who's helping host this um, viewing. And she's very much into that. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And then after the movie, we're going to have an open discussion just about some of the topics that are brought up and talked about. And then Thursday night, we have a um, event at Stateline Church. They're partnering with us to do an event that's called Be Kind to Your Mind. It's open to everybody in the community, as well as the faith um, community as well. And we're just going to talk about, um, you know, a general talking about mental health in general and hearing some different stories as well from different perspectives of parents and a young adult who's going to share her story to, um, you know, have people start to open up. But our hope is this is going to be a kickoff. Um, myself and another mother, Erin Calkins, have created this event as a kickoff to start a mental health ministry for our community. Um, and the idea is to have a ministry that can come around people when they're dealing with things that are mental health related, whether that's, you know, they have one child that gets admitted into um, inpatient in Chicago and they have other children, you know, we can come in and we can help, you know, watch the kids while they go visit their other kids, or we can bring a meal or we can pray with them, whatever, whatever would be helpful. But um, we know, right, that oftentimes when it comes to mental illness and mental health diagnosis is oftentimes people pull away instead of pulling in. And we want to create a ministry that pulls into people that are dealing with that in their families and their lives. Perfect. And lastly, but not least, Friday. <laughs> The mental health, I know you're like, enough is enough. Yeah. Um, the mental, the rally for mental health is on um, Friday at noon at Veterans Memorial Hall. And that brings in local legislators, state legislators, and the community at whole to just rally around mental health and share about what's going on in our community and what the great works are that people are doing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, not only with all the work that you're doing with uh, your foundation, the Tommy Corral Memorial Foundation, but with NAMI and, and just continuing to be faithful to where you're getting led, led to and then doing that work on yourself to discern, what should I say yes to? What do I need to say no to? Because that's also part of what we're asked to do as well. So, uh, so again, Shabir, thank you so much for everything that you do and everything that you've done. Uh, in the midst of um, moving, as you said, moving from the daunting, why is this happening? Why did this happen? To uh, really take on um, what I'm going to do with this. Mm-hmm. And um, and we'll have to do a shout out to, I'm assuming this was Pastor Sheets. That, uh, no, actually oh. it was Pastor Greg from oh, Saint Line. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Greg, oh, oh, Greg Jamalva. Okay. Okay, great. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. That would be uh, something uh, Greg would definitely, uh, definitely uh, in his own journey, he would definitely share. So, well, right. good deal. So uh, again, uh, the best way for people to reach and get in contact with you would be through the through yeah our website has all of our contact information email phone number and everything so it's just uh tommy Carell memorial foundation.com and everything we have is on there we also have uh facebook so you can look up tommy Carell memorial foundation via facebook and instagram as well okay perfect and i'll, I'll have um that link in our um in our show notes so again thank awesome. you again for everything you're doing and Thanks for having me appreciate appreciate you being our uh our our leading person <laughs> as a return guest <laughs> so, thank uh, you so it's fun fun to be on and talk to you and yeah. you know obviously i appreciate you and all you do in our collaboration as well so thank you 
So I just want to, uh, for anybody who's listening, and you know, obviously Chavier, Chavier is a great example of how she's had some horrendous things happen in her life. Nothing that anyone would ever want, but what she, what her story is, is also about, or even maybe more importantly about, is what she's what she's done with that. So, if there is anybody uh, that needs to hear this, that you think, please share. Um, please feel. Sh- uh, free to share, uh, share the share comments as, as well as share this episode with other people. We never know when someone needs uh, a seed of hope to get them through um, a dark time. Again, thank you for being here and I will be with you again next week. Oops, uh, that isn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> Hit the wrong button, Xavier.